This is Fall on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to another thing we like to call the Ball on Blast Podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander. I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what is good? Next question. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Listen, I got I got, I got no time for this. You and me, this is contentious time, Sheldon. <laughs> we are taking it back to the 2001 NBA playoff. I will say this much, Webby. Two things. First off, one, a bunch of your former coworkers are very interested to hear our conversation of this Raptors Sixers talk. I know. Because I bet. I think you you, you kind of set Twitter on a blaze there, dropping what would you would you tweet out hashtag hashtag Sixers in six. <laughs> yes, some of our friends are not happy with you, Mister Andrew Webster. It might be a contentious podcast. It might be a contentious week in a bit, depending on how listen, long this series goes. But listen, these are two cities. Uh, respective cities of Philadelphia and Toronto that mean quite a bit to me. Uh, I've spent most of my life living in either one of these two cities. And these are two teams that whenever they play, I mean, like, these are the two teams that I watch in the NBA, most likely. It's the Raptors and the Sixers. Um, I think it's going to be a really good series. The thing that I learned, like, I guess over the last, I guess since both teams won the other day on the same day and the matchup was set is, like, Basically, the the universe, the basketball-consuming universe, thinks that Toronto's going to win this in, like, five games. Like, there's not, there's not a lot of people who are picking the, picking the Sixers to even come close in this series. I'll be honest, that's the one thing that worries me. Because I do think that the Raptors will and should win this series. I'd give it six, just because I think the Sixers are a solid team. They have, like, very good players that could win a game for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could have the crazy Embiid game where he's just beast mode and he wins a game for you. You could say the same about Jimmy Butler, right? You could see them winning a game just by themselves. They're that good. So I see the Raptors winning the series, but I will be honest with you. The fact that everybody is picking the Raptors and thinking it's going to be really easy, it's never really a good sign. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. <laughs> I, I like my other thing here too is that I've been asking a lot of people that I know who watch a lot of basketball, mm-hmm. but that all live in Ontario and root for the Raptors. Okay. But uh, I mean, who would you say mm-hmm. is the best player in the series? Oh, Kawhi. See, that is crazy to me. No, not a chance. Come on. That's crazy to me. How? Are you kidding Please me? Please explain. Explain. En- enlighten me, Mr. Andrew Webster. Joel Embiid had a, a, an ascendant season this, this year. Okay. His numbers across the board are ridiculous. Okay. Offensively and defensively, Joel Embiid's numbers this season were better. All I'm saying is Kawhi Leonard came out in a practice season pretty much and average career highs in like points and rebounds. Joel Embiid missed, uh, uh, what, a fifth of the season? Oh, here's the thing, okay? Kawhi Leonard, I'll, I'll say this much. Joel Embiid I, I, actually physically hurt 
Whereas what the Sixers should have been doing with Joel Embiid was probably following what the Raptors did with Kawhi with a little bit of load management. And Okay, okay. Wrong question. Wrong question then. Okay. New question. New question. <laughs> okay. Hold on. You're, hold gonna... on. Wait, wait, wait. For the record, are you conceding that argument? No, oh, absolutely okay. not. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not. My my reform of this question to you then, Sheldon, is okay. who's going to get more MVP votes this year? Oh, well, that's just because Kawhi missed too many games because of load management, and writers don't like load management. Joel Embiid missed a fifth of the season. Yeah, but he was actually, like, hurt. The fact that, like, people don't like the trend of load management, right? And so that's going to be no, a detriment no, 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 no. to Kawhi you're not, Leonard. You're not, no, 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 no. You're not going to tell me that Kawhi Leonard is getting less MVP votes than Joel Embiid because writers don't like that he, he sat out due to load management. Oh, I, Embiid, I definitely think Embiid's, that. Embiid's, if, Embiid's going to get more MVP votes because he had a better season than Kawhi Leonard had. See, I disagree. I think if they both played the full season, Kawhi Leonard but would they, be getting MVP votes but because not, the Raptors that's, that's, were a better team than the Sixers. But if he played the whole season, Joel Embiid would then, in, in, in this theory, also have a better season. Webby, how much better could the Raptors' another... season be? Kawhi missed, what, 22 games, and the Raptors won 59? Right? Like, how much better would they have been with Kawhi Leonard in the lineup? Well, I don't know, because he didn't play those <laughs> games. I see, where, I see where you're going here. I'm just saying what Kawhi Leonard... Kawhi Leonard's ability just, no, to no, dominate no, no, no. the but, game but, on both ends of the floor as a guard in this era of basketball is more so he can have more of an effect on the game than Joel Embiid, who, for the most part, needs someone else to give him the ball. Thinking that Kawhi Leonard is the best player in this series mm-hmm. is wearing Raptor-colored glasses. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid's the best player in the series, and I don't think it's really that close. So here's my question like, for you. Kawhi, Kawhi's incredible, yeah, but, bro, there, I don't think there's m- many people on this Raptors team that can guard Joel Embiid. First off, thanks to our, our guy Josh Lewenberg, who answered this question for you, Mr. Andrew Webster. And okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before he, because I, I saw this too. All I'm saying is Joel Embiid first versus Mark Gasol in his career, five games. Joel Embiid, 14 points, 4.4 turnovers, 34 percent from the floor. From the floor, 34 percent from games? the floor. How many games? Five games. It's only five a. Games. It's only okay. going to be a six or seven game series. What What are we talking about? That's almost a playoff this, series. I, I mean. Th- they haven't faced each other that they they were in different conferences hey, until about three months ago. It's going to be Joel Embiid, and here's here's the one thing I will say too that's very important to remember. One, even if you do think that Joel Embiid is better than Kawhi Leonard, I might consider again might consider giving you that if Joel Embiid is at a hundred percent. But we know Joel Embiid is not at a hundred percent, and therefore He's I still... cannot give, say that Joel Embiid is better than than Kawhi Leonard. For one, he still cooked. He 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 still cooked last series. Come on, man. Are we talking about Jared he Allen here? Cooked. Is this what we're talking about, yeah. Webby? Come on, man. We're talking about somebody who actually has rim presence. Come on, man. See, I think the Raptors are. I think the Raptors are really going to have to think about uh, starting Serge Ibaka. 
I think. Do you know what I really? Because I think I think Gasol's going to get torched in game one. What uh, I, we know, we know the Raptors love losing game ones. <laughs> and when, I, I just, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like you can tell me that Gasol's played five games, really good games against Joel Embiid. Yeah. That's great, but this is going to be up close and personal. Coming into your living room, the best center, pure center in the game, who is hobbled. I think that's a major major factor and because you got to remember too webby in this I, instance joel and it's not just joel Embiid against marcus soul it's joel Embiid against marcus soul and serge Ibaka. so even if he does get marcus soul in foul trouble which i would i'm with you i'll bet with you like on your side that there will be a couple games where marcus soul gets in foul trouble just because Embiid is such a load and there and he does a really good job at getting to the line in fact i'm pretty sure i saw the stat that the sixers were they ranked first in terms of free throw attempts in the playoffs. And the Raptors, mm-hmm. I think, were near the bottom of that list, right? So Embiid does a good job in getting to the line. That means foul trouble for Marcus Luckily for the Raptors, they also have Serge Ibaka. And again, I'm going to emphasize this because I think it's a really big deal. If Embiid is not 100%, that's a real, real problem for the Sixers. Well, the the, the best thing that happened is that they both won their respective game fives. Totally. Because that, especially for the Sixers, that is going to give them, uh, that gives Embiid so much more time to rest mm-hmm. that knee. Now, I'm telling you, he looked really good in that game five. He did. And the other thing, the other thing that these Sixers are going to try try to do the Raptors, we're, we're going to see okay. how it works, but they're going to try and push some buttons. <laughs> Come on, man. This is what I I was going to ask you about this because I felt from afar that why are you beefing with Jared Dudley and Jared At- like that just seems so lame to me. And like we know Serge Ibaka is not it here seemed, for the play. It play. seemed like it seemed like those guys were way more mad at the Sixers than the Sixers were at them. Okay, but even if that is true, Joel Embiid doesn't need to be in post game press conferences or post game interviews saying Jared Dudley is a no guys. Because he is a nobody. Whether that's true or not, why are you feeding into this? It's like you're you're like Joel Embiid. There's a, that's that's what he does. It's man. a lot of that's front running. I'll say that Joel Embiid he gets, beefs down he, Webby. It's always with Andre Drummond. It's like guys on that level all the he's time. He's got free real estate. He's got free real estate in half of the league's head. <laughs> Come on, man. Listen, all I'm saying is this beefing down stuff. Okay, the Raptors are vets. Okay. So Marc Gasol is not going to fall for that. Serge, you might not want Serge to fall for that because he might actually square up on Embiid if Embiid starts acting up. But they're not here for that, man. Kawhi is a robot. He's not getting involved in any of this stuff. Like, all those gimmicks and games that Embiid's going to be playing, trying to, like, playing in the media, trying to, like, hype up against the Raptors crowd or whatever, I don't think that stuff's going to work against the Raps. I really don't. But you think he, I, he's going to try to play those games, those mind games? Oh, yeah, 100%. That's what he does. <laughs> Out of, Cerebral assassin. Marcus now, the only thing is, uh, and now, again, as a Sixers fan, the thing that I am a little worried about, the number one worry uh, going into this series is the way that Kawhi has played Ben Simmons. Yes. Because there, I think you have a much, uh, you got more games. You got more of a pool to take from in terms of how Kawhi has performed against Ben Simmons, and it's been pretty incredible Well, the three this games year. this year, Ben Simmons is averaging eight turnovers per game. Yeah. That's not yeah. good. 
no, it's not good. And so there's going to be they're going to have to find a way that they can get Simmons involved in the game, doing what he does in terms of transition and maybe even trying to post him up, but that doesn't do very well against Kawhi. Yeah. But they're going to have to find some sort of way to get him involved successfully against the Raptors. So, and if they don't, if they don't, that could be the series. Mm-hmm. But I think there's more X factors. I know that that's something that on both sides we want to touch on. But I wouldn't even say that's an X factor. I would say that that's an A factor. I definitely of getting think Simmons involved. They need Ben Simmons to be highly productive. But my question for you, as a Sixers fan that clearly watches more Sixers games than I do, but I'll say this much: from what I do see, I kind of feel like the team doesn't fit together. Right, like. Both teams made a bunch of moves during the season, right? And there was some time where it's like, oh, is there enough time to make this work? The names obviously make both rosters look legit. But I feel as if the Sixers still haven't really gotten into that groove with everybody in the lineup in the sense that there's a couple different styles at play here. Ben Simmons needs to be running up and down, right? Leading fast breaks, doing all that stuff. Can you do that with Embiid on the floor? And the Embiid on the floor, if he's trailing and shooting threes, like, if I'm the Raps, I want Embiid out there shooting threes. Like, that's fine. Like, I feel like they're better if they try to slow it down, play in the half court, dump it into Embiid all the time, let Jimmy cook in the half court. But see, but that's that doesn't the thing. fit Hold Ben on. Simmons at all. But I think that with the different pieces, all the different pieces that you have with the Sixers, mm-hmm. is that you can build those lineups as you go okay. and put enough pieces. Like, you can be versatile uh, enough with that lineup that you can get Simmons out there, if maybe not necessarily with Embiid, yeah. then with other players that it's going to benefit what he does a little bit more. Okay. But you're always going to get Embiid in there with... Simmons every once in a while, just because having two players that size, being able to play the in and out is, I don't know, is really good. Are you worried at all? And it's going to be it's going to be a tough cover for the Raptors. No, I could see that, but the one thing I will say, the on the defensive end of the floor, advantage Raptors like by a lot. No, like I think the Sixers' defense is kind of, I don't want to say it's shaky. But the Raptors definitely have the advantage in terms of the defensive end. We know Kawhi's resume is proven. No, Joel Embiid is not Nick Vucevic. I'm not going to say that. That's a ridiculous statement. But I'm saying you saw what Mark Gasol was able to do to Vucevic in terms of just limit his production. They're, they're, even saying their names in the same sentence but listen to what I'm saying. I, feels like blasphemy. I'm just saying Because Embiid is production. so much more athletic. I'm saying limit his production. And the stats we already gave in terms of the five games, Joel Embiid's averaging 10 less points in his career average in five games against Marc Gasol. Like, all I'm saying is, and all I'm saying is the Raptors defensively, we've seen what they can do when they flick the switch. They've showed at the end of that season that Marc Gasol being inserted into the starting lineup has helped their offense flow a lot better, but also as a vet kind of knows his role defensively which is massively important, right? Like, if not for that one slip-up in game one between Kawhi and Gasol, that's a sweep in the first round, right? But I'm just, and don't get me wrong, the Sixers are way better than the Magic, and the Raptors are better than the Nets. Totally. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But my point, though, is I just think defensively the Raptors have the advantage, and I think offensively their offense with all their new pieces I feel like that has clicked, whereas I don't know if you can say the same thing about the Sixers with all these pieces. Like, 
Tobias, what are you getting from Tobias? What are you expecting from Tobias? How does he fit in to this equation with Jimmy? Three-point shooting. So he's just standing in the corner and shooting threes? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's what we need him to do. And, <laughs> and you know, the other one is J.J. Redick. It's like, yeah. who on the Raptors is going to chase J.J. Redick around screens? The Raptors got it. Come on, man. The Raptors. Uh, is, is Kyle Lowry's big ass going to be getting around those screens, chasing J.J. Redick around? Because right now, if I'm looking at the two starting fives, that's like Kyle is not going to be guarding Ben Simmons. He's not going to be guarding Jimmy Butler. I bet you they try to He's... put him on Tobias or Jimmy. That's what I bet you they try to do. I'd and say Tobias co- probably. And then what, you've got Danny Green running around the screens? Probably, yeah. Yeah. I also Ugh. think Kyle can run around and, and try to to run around with J.J. Redick. Because, again, when I watch the Sixers offense, I don't know how much that is. Like, J.J. Redick might be running around all these screens, but how much is he actually getting the ball? Also, from the Raptors' point of view, you if Kyle Lowry has to dedicate himself to doing that, he doesn't have to expend as much energy on offense anymore because we know that the Raptors don't need him to get 20 points a night as previous Raptors teams have. You need him to be. You need him to be shooting three pointers though. Yeah, he can hit open threes, man. You don't see that ball Wait. movement, Raptors offense, Webby. Come on now. Listen, I I'm just saying I understand you know why the Raptors are gonna are our favorite in this series, okay. but I I'm just a little hesitant to be. Saying that this one, let, let's book our ticket to the Eastern Conference Finals. No, no, no. I think this is going to be a close series. I think the games will be close. I don't really see, like, I'm not one of these people saying Raptors are going to win in five and they're going to run the Sixers out of the gym. I'm not saying that at all. I think the co- contrast in styles, I just think when the Raptors, we've seen the Raptors offense click on all cylinders for a long extended period of time. Right, like I feel like since the All Star break, all those numbers pointing to how the Raptors have led the league in three point shooting since the since the trade deadline, all of those things have just proven and shown what they can do. Now, the one thing I will say, I'm interested in the coaching matchup because I feel like Nick Nurse is still trying to run this substitution yeah. pattern with Fred Van Fleet I- <laughs> and Norm playing together, and it hasn't really worked all season consistently. It didn't really work in the first round of the playoffs against the Magic. Now, the Sixers, on the other hand, you know that Brett Brown likes to ride his star, his stars, right? Like, Embiid is going to play heavy minutes, hurt or not, right? Jimmy's going to play heavy minutes. I'm interested to see how that matchup works out, just in terms of how both coaches run their bench. What Talk to me a bit about the Sixers bench, Webby. So this is where I was going to say the big X factor is. Okay. The big X factor in this series is going to be the bench. Okay. Because I think this is the one place that the Raptors have a, the biggest advantage over the Sixers. Okay. Because that unit, for better or for worse, plays a lot together. You know, they're, they the roll bench, out yeah. that... Yeah, they roll out that bench unit quite a bit uh, together. Uh, the problem with the Sixers is, like you say, Brown likes to use a mix of his starters because he has so many names. He can build up different lineups, give a couple of guys a breather, but still have the big names in there. Totally. There's not necessarily a whole second unit that the Sixers roll out. Like, they'll use a guy like Mike Scott and Boban, mm-hmm. but then again, you're not going really nine deep. So that's really going to be interesting to see a team like the Sixers who goes eight deep to the Raptors who at times will go ten. Yeah, I mean, in the first round, the Raps kept it 
pretty much to nine. I mean, Jody Meeks was getting some minutes, but not real legit meaningful minutes. So it was mostly at nine, and you were seeing Serge, Norm, and Freddie get the bulk of the minutes. But as you mentioned, they were playing together. And in most of those situations, save for one of the games, I think, the Raptors bench wasn't really doing the job at all. And that could be a problem going forward unless you commit to, hey, we already saw Siakam play 40 minutes in the first round. Is Kawhi going to do the same thing in, in round two? Right? Like, how much are you riding Kawhi and Siakam in round two? Especially if you're seeing major minutes from Jimmy Butler and Tobias and Embiid, right? That's what I'm, I'm right. super interested to see that side of it. But you mentioned the bench for the Sixers being your X Factor. My X Factor is Kyle Lowry. Reason being, I'm interested to see how Kyle Lowry always seems to get a little, a little extra boost from playing in Philly. Now you're getting a, a playoff series of Kyle in Philly. I'm interested to see how that affects him, right? And as I know you watch a lot of Raptors games too, Webby, in terms of Raptors playoffs, we've seen the up and down nature of Kyle Lowry's playoff performances, right? Yeah. He's solid numbers. The averages are solid, but he'll have some no-show games and then have some big-time games following it up. I'm interested to see how that wave continues against Philly, against a team that he's normally hyped up to play against at home or on the road because that's his hometown. I'm really interested to see how Kyle Lowry plays. Especially if they start to try and do things like, we we know that Lowry's had conditioning problems that catch up with him in the playoffs. If I was Brett Brown, I'd be trying to focus everything that I can do on offense to get Kyle Lowry running around on defense. Yeah. I would try to wear him out. Like, that's what I would try to do. Now, is Brett Brown going to do that? Uh, yeah, who knows? But that would be my one goal, especially early in the series, is, is see if you can, like, put some body blows on Lowry and really make it make those miles, the, the uh, what is it, the odometer yeah. on his clock really start ticking as much as you can. The thing, too, with Lowry, right? He took a bunch of charges. I think it was, like, four charges in that oh, game took five. four in that other game, yeah. Popped his finger out and then popped it back in but says he's okay, right, heading into this series now. And the the point, though, that I'm really trying to make, though, is Kyle Lowry, we saw the spurts from him, right? Like, after the zero-point performance in game one, he came back with a monster game two, and then just the way that he started that game five closeout game with nine straight points, he's going to do that, I feel like, in this series. He's going to pick his spots. That's This is a Kyle Lowry we're going to see going forward, right? The guy who picks his spots, and I think you mentioned this before on a podcast, but, you know, he might take over a three to five minute part of the second quarter right? Or like the third quarter, like that's what you're going to see from Kyle Lowry. It's not going to be a full game, multiple games in a row of Kyle Lowry putting up 20 plus points, but he'll get you, you know, nine and a quarter and you look up and you're like, oh, okay, that completely just swung a game, right? I'm super interested in terms of how high those waves are and how low they get just because I feel like he's going to come in super juiced up to play in his hometown in the playoffs in Philly, especially with so many eyes on him already because the narrative of, oh, Kyle Lowry doesn't show up in the playoffs. And you had all those stats come out afterwards saying that he was leading. He's actually leading the league in plus minus after game five. Did you see that one? Like, no, I did. It's just a thing where Kyle Lowry, 
you know, at this point, and you'll appreciate this because he's a Philly guy, right? So you've seen the work that Kyle Lowry's done as a Philly dude for so long. But the fact that a lot of the things, it's not going to show up, you know, beautifully in a, on a stat sheet, right? You, you're gonna, of course. You're going to look at the plus minus stuff and see that, oh, okay, he's affecting the game by taking charges. He's affecting the game by finding Siakam on the leak out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm interested to see those things from Kyle Lowry. What What are you thinking from the Philly perspective in terms of Kyle Lowry coming home and how that matchup's going to work out? Yeah, well, like you say, he always gears himself up, it seems like, for the games when he comes to Philly. Now, uh, again, it'll be interesting to see who, like, what the defensive assignments are when the Raptors have the ball in the half court. But again, like... In the other way, when the Sixers are on offense, I'm trying to get Lowry outside of the paint and not just lagging around so he can come in with that help defense and take those charges. I think the number one thing is going to be to try and and gas him out as much as you can. Yeah, here's a stat story. Lowry finished the first round with the best plus minus thus far in the NBA playoffs. Top three are Lowry at plus 106, Giannis at plus 98, Kawhi at plus 94. And, I mean, plus-minus stat, we talk about it all the time. Does it tell you everything? No, but it is a metric, right? Of course. And watching those games, you could tell Kyle Lowry, I mean, is he the 0 for 7, 0 points that he was in game one? No. Is he the 22 points and 7 assists in game two? No. It's probably somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> but I, exactly. I feel like the waves are going to swing one game to the next. But a guy I want to ask you about, Webby, that we haven't mentioned yet is Pascal Siakam. I think he's, I mean, he pretty much has the most improved player award locked up. I feel like we'd, we'd agree upon that at this point, probably. Yeah. Uh, but he's brought the glow up to the playoffs so far, right? His first playoff in terms of being having a starring role, let's say, on the Raptors. And against a team that he struggled against in the Orlando Magic in the in the regular season, but didn't matter come playoff time as he put up 22 points and eight rebounds in the playoffs. From the Sixers side of things, are you worried about Siakam and what's the game plan? Should it be to kind of slow him down? It's tough, man. I mean, he has been so incredible. And just, again, watching him in the first round of the playoffs just and this season, it's what he can do in transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the move is just so incredible, uh, like a little like Ben Simmons, right? Yeah. Just with the full head of steam, it, it's, he's going to get to the 10, and more than likely he's going to get it in there as well. Um, but, again, am I that afraid of Pascal Siakam? No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm really not. No, that's fair. I, I'm, he's he's had a great season for sure, but the the guy that you're worried about, if you're the Sixers, there's one guy, and it's shutting down Kawhi. I know it's easier said than done, but if you can even throw everything that you have at Kawhi and let the chips fall where they may with the other players yeah. on the Raptors, I think that's what you got to do. Who gets the matchup of Kawhi? Is it Jimmy? Oh, I I would think. I, it depends because, again, you're going to be able to be so versatile with that lineup. So, like, I'm sure at times it'll be Jimmy. At times it'll be Ben Simmons. At times it'll be Tobias Harris. At times it'll be Mike Scott. No, that's Mike Scott. No, that's fair. That's fair. 
I'm really interested to see how that all plays out. And my question for you as well, though, as a Sixers fan, who gets the ball in crunch time? Last second shot. Who who do you want with the ball in their hands? It's drawn up for JJ. It always is. What? Yeah. For real? Last shot is always drawn up for JJ Redick. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's, uh, it's true. Oh. I'll take my chances with that if I'm the Raps. <laughs> I'm just saying, right. if, if that's the case, man, I'll take my chances with that if I'm the Raptors for sure. I mean, other than dumping it in the post and, and getting a foul on Joel, yeah. like every everybody who's over the 6'8 or 6'9 on the Raptors is going to do, which is foul and beat all the time. <laughs> is, He's just going to be uh, racking up fouls on them. Is Jimmy not getting the, okay, everybody clear out for Jimmy and let Jimmy go? No. No, I think that, no. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I just think this is going to be the series where we find out, like, people were wondering about the load management was a huge topic for the whole season. I think people were kind of wondering, you heard Kawhi say he laces him up come playoff time, and you really saw that in round one in the sense that once the game, once the ball was tipped in the air, he came out with, like, six quick points in, like, three of the five games, right? Like, he was just cooking. I'm interested to see how that translates now into the second round. And he knows, right? When you look across and you see Jimmy Butler, Tobias, you see the big names. Like, it's big boy time. It's go time for Kawhi. So I'm super excited just to see that from the standpoint of a Raptors team where you went into a lot of playoff series wondering what you were going to get from Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. And it was kind of refreshing to see, oh, Kawhi's cool. He's all right. Like, that was the most refreshing part for me as a Raptor fan. Uh, but let me ask you, Webby, what's your pick? Who you got? I know who you got. Tell me, are you sticking with the Sixers in six? I'm going to say Sixers in seven. Ooh, Sixers winning a game seven in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think they're going to win two games in Toronto, game one and game seven. The Raptors are not losing game one. I'm very, very confident the Raptors are not coming out and losing game one. They are, How many times have you said that? How many times have you said that um, in your basketball watching career? To be honest, twice. No. Once. More than no, twice. No, no, no. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. That I confidently said they're not losing game one. Twice. It was wishful thinking a bunch of times. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I'm saying being confident in like they will not lose game one. And it would be against the magic. And I'll be honest, last year. When they actually did win game one against the uh, the Wizards. Uh, you, before you that, there was, we knew it was a free-for-all in game ones. Before that, <laughs> right? Like, come on. You, you, can, you can only fool me a couple times before it's just like, all right. Can these guys please, think... like, you're hoping, you're praying they win a game one. But, you know, Paul George comes out and cooks <laughs> on the Pacers. And you're just like, all right, really? Okay, so this is how this is going to go. <laughs> I'm just waiting for for the Sixers to come out and punch somebody in the face. Game one, make a statement. Get like let set the tone for set the tone for for a tough physical play uh, trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they're, they're going to come out and try and play as physically as they can. I think so too. I think if you're the Sixers, your best bet is to try to slow down the Raptors and play in the half court and hope that. The Raptors get themselves into trouble when the game slows down and they're either down and they just throw it to Kawhi and it turns into iso ball. 
that's not how the Raptors are successful. But I feel like the Sixers, on the other hand, if the game slows down and they're just dumping it into Embiid, he's getting Gasol and Serge into foul trouble, the Raps are in. They'll, they'll have big problems then, right? Playing the half court, getting the being on the glass, Embiid will win the rebounding battle against Gasol and probably Serge as well, but definitely against Gasol. So if you're the Raptors, you need to speed the game up. The ball needs to be moving on a string on offense, and that's how the Raptors have to win. It has to be the team basketball that they've been playing for the first round and obviously towards the end of the playoff, uh, towards the end of the regular season. Uh, but my pick, Webby, I'm going with Raptors in six. Um, I just think at the end of the day, the Raptors look like the better team, and I don't know if the Sixers are ready for prime time yet. I think there's still a lot of questions in terms of whose team it is, because even if you think that it's Embiid's team and Embiid thinks that, I just think that they're going to look and and Jimmy's going to have moments where he's trying to figure out, okay, do I go now? Okay, do I go now? Oh, shit, we don't got it. I got to go now. And it might be too late because the Raptors know what they're doing. It's Kawhi Cook, it's Siakam Cook, and everyone else is just shooting threes. I think if if Embiid is healthy for for this playoff series, I think it's Sixers and Seven. But Webby, he's not healthy. We know he's not healthy. He looked, he's not going to magically looked, get healthy in like three days, and that's the biggest problem looked, for the Sixers. Look pretty fucking healthy in a bunch of those games against the <laughs> Nets, man. Yo, man, Jared Dudley was out game, here like, like dropping trays for the Nets, man. What did Come he have on, like man. thirty? He had like thirty four points, thirteen rebounds, seven assists, six blocks in one game. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, in a couple of those games, it took the the Nets a while to realize, oh, we should probably just play small because we can't beat Embiid anyways. We can't slow him down anyways. But that also then did inflate Embiid's numbers in production, right? Like, I mean, Jared Dudley is not guarding Embiid, right? Is Embiid going to be able to to guard Gasol at three-point line? Gasol, or is Gasol just going to get a chance to wet threes? These are the questions I have, Webby, and I, I can't yeah. wait to find out. Game one is on Saturday. We don't know what time it'll be yet because it's dependent. Oh, the Spurs are up big right now. So there will be a game seven. Yeah. So it's like, I think so it'll probably be at seven. Yeah. Game one is probably at seven, I think. Yes, um, because there will be a game seven of the Spurs and Denver Nuggets on Saturday. So big series. Everyone's excited for this series because this is what we've been waiting for as Raptor fans. Right? Like, this is prime time now. This, this is, when, is the test. Yeah, this is when the real this playoffs... This is the test. Yeah. Uh, side note, we'll end this Raptors talk with, have you seen the the uh, Game of Zones? Nah, I'm not big into the Game of Zones. You know, I will tell you this, though. Just watch the Raptors one today. It's, it's a great watch. It's hilarious. No, no, no. I'm telling you. Trust me, Wendy. Okay. If you just listen to one thing I have to say today. Listen, watch that game of zones. The Raptors won today. It's very good. Okay. It's on the Lowry and it's on the DeRozan trade. <laughs> yeah, and he's they like burn him right at the stake. I'm not gonna give any. I don't want to give anything away, but I'll just say that. Just just enjoy that one. That's that's uh, one of our recommendations. How about that? Does that sound good? I like it. But let's move on to the Bucks and Celtics, and that's an interesting series as well because. I mean, there's no misses in terms of must-see TV in the Eastern Conference playoffs in the second no. round here because this is a big boy series. The Bucks looked unstoppable against a hobbled Blake Griffin and the Detroit Pistons. 
The Celtics, after a a very, what, tumultuous regular season, I don't know how you even describe that Celtics season. It was crazy. It was like up and down, infighting, Kyrie going crazy in the media. Got it done, first round. They looked really good in the first round, but it was against the Pacers. So I'm going to start here and ask you, do you think the Celtics are the Celtics people anticipated them to be at the start of the season? Or was it just masked by the fact that the Pacers aren't really good and your man's Bogdanovich <laughs> doesn't really have it? Him and Wes Matthews couldn't really do get the job done. Yeah. Are you buying into the Celtics now heading into round two against the Bucks? <laughs> lot of Wes Matthews in that sweep. <laughs> uh, like, oh boy, really going out on this Wes Matthews. Um, as corny as it sounds, I do think it's a bit of both. Okay. I think that the injury to Marcus Smart, while on the surface looked like something that might really hurt the Celtics, is like really in turn helped them out because ah. it figured out what to do with Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Gordon Hell, Gordon Hayward, who obviously hasn't been right uh, all season, is just, I guess, starting to really pick it up. He looked great the last couple of games of that series against Indiana. But, I mean, the the big matchup here in this series against Giannis is going to be if Al Horford can do anything against Adetokounmpo. Yeah. Like, Horford's really good and, and underrated in what he can do defensively, but, man... Giannis is a different beast, and if it starts to slip away from Boston, it could be a really short series. Yeah, Giannis is a problem, right? And I don't even know if you're going to be able to stop Giannis, and I think that my game plan against the Bucks, regardless of whatever team you are, you almost, as crazy as this sounds, you got to get, not let Giannis get his, but almost accept the fact that Giannis is going to get his and focus in on trying to stop whoever the next guy is. So if that's Middleton... You really got to make sure that you're trying to make him work for his buckets. And if that means Giannis gets 35, cool. I don't know what Horford's going to do to try to slow him down. Do you just try to like sit in the paint, hope that Giannis settles for jumpers and try to play positional defense in the paint? I think that might be your best bet if you're the Celtics. But you touched on the fact that Marcus Smart not being there actually helped them. It also just helped the minutes distribution, right? It opened up more perimeter minutes for Gordon Hayward, opened up more perimeter minutes for Jalen Brown. And we talked about it on a couple podcasts ago that a lot of the talk from Celtic circles was that Gordon Hayward all season looked great in practice. Like he was cooking dudes in practice the whole year. But the problem was when it translated to the game, he didn't really have the like he he didn't have the same confidence. And so what that made them think was it was in his head. And he needed to get over the mental hurdle of being 100% and being able to be a top-level NBA player again. And you're seeing that now, right? Like, he was doing a whole lot of distributing. He, You could run your offense through him, so it's not through Kyrie all the time. And you kind of saw this creep up late in the regular season, but you really saw it in that first-round series. I mean, other than that one time he got banged on by was it miles turner <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was mean but outside of that if hayward is playing at that level and then you still have tatum Kyrie's resume is proven that's a dangerous team if you tell you know you get marcus smart or not marcus smart sorry marcus morris and jalen brown and you say hey your job 
is to just try to slow down Middleton. And then you let Tatum, Kyrie, and Hayward do what they do. I don't know if the Bucks can keep up because you're relying on guys that haven't really been there, right? Like, what are you really expecting from Bledsoe, right? Like, is Brooke Lopez going to be balling in the playoffs? Like, you kind of have unproven guys. Like, George Hill, I think LeBron kind of saw how that experiment worked out last year, right? Right. So it's a very interesting matchup, but it could come down to one of your favorite things, Webby, coaching. <laughs> Who has the advantage here? And let me tell you, that – the, the style of coaching that, I mean, we love Coach Bud, and it looks so great in the regular season, and it makes for, for amazing highlights, and it makes for unbelievable numbers for a guy like Giannis. But does it work in, in a tough playoff series? Like, sure, it might work against the Pistons, but the Boston Celtics and the talent that they have and the coach that they have, they're, those aren't the Detroit Pistons. And the the truth of the matter is, Everyone, we talk about it, how the NBA's kind of changed and through the success of the Golden State Warriors, everyone plays this run and gun, we just shoot threes, right? But we've also seen that, hey, it's one thing when it's a regular season and you're running up and down and bombing all these threes. But when the moments get a little tighter in the playoffs, are some of these role guys who can shoot threes in the regular season, but now there's way more pressure and now you're on the road do you know what I mean? Like, does it translate the same? I think that's what you mean in terms of Coach Bud and what we saw with the Atlanta Hawks yeah. teams, right? And in a sense, and the thing is, when those things do slow down in the playoffs, and you have to get a bucket in a half court situation, the Celtics have proven to us not just last year in the playoffs when they didn't have Kyrie, but now they have one of the best half court scorers in the game as well. Facts. Super facts, man. Uh, so if I were to ask you your pick for this series, Mr. Webster, where, where are you going here? It's so tough. It's so tough. I want I, – I, you know what? We'll, we'll go on a limb. We'll go Celtics in seven. I'm right there with you. Celtics in seven. And the reason I'm going there is just because I think it will be a hard-fought back-and-forth series. I think the home teams might hold court, and then game seven comes along, and Kyrie's just ready. The road isn't going to affect Kyrie Irving. And this is where it really comes down to X's and O's. And I just think that Stevens has a lot more trusted pieces, let's say, that have been in those moments. The Celtics had a run last year where Tatum, Jalen Brown, all those guys, Rozier, they got a chance to go all the way to the conference finals playing in so many tight and close games, whereas the Bucks supporting cast can't really say the same. So with that said... Yeah, Celtics in seven. I'm okay with that pick. We agree there. Now, now that you got my Celtics in seven and Sixers in seven, watch the Bucks and the Raptors win in five. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it goes. Right? Yeah, I mean, hey, the Bucks. I'm happy for them. It's They have a great fan base. Giannis is an absolute beast. But at the end of the day, the playoffs, to me, comes down to top-tier talent, and I think the Celtics' top-tier talent is better than Milwaukee's top-tier talent. Like, Giannis is the best player, but the next what? Are all Celtics? The next three or four dudes? Oh, four, four dudes. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. I, I always think the playoffs come down to top-tier talent and coaching, and Stevens has proven what he's able to do with that with those guys and make things work. The Celtics have a lot more depth, trusted depth, I like their wild cards. They still, like, know Marcus Smart, but 
They got Marcus Morris still, who's not afraid to mix it up. I'm sure he'll try to rough up Giannis a little. They'll try to slow it up. The Bucks definitely remember Scary Terry. Right? That matchup is going to be a lot of fun. Scary Terry versus Bledsoe, round two. That's going to be a lot of fun, right? So, oh, yeah. I mean, if Bledsoe had that much trouble with Scary Terry, what's going to happen with Kyrie? Yeah, exactly. Right? So, can't wait to see that. But, again, that's going to be a lot of fun. And speaking of things that were a lot of fun, before we talk about the Western matchups, <laughs> we got to talk about Russ versus Dame. Listen. <laughs> Listen, we got we, we to talk about the, the Oklahoma City Thunder basically beating the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh. All right, it's time, to, it's time to get real with this Yo, team. You're hurting me on so many levels right now, Webby. So many levels, you're hurting me. Listen, it's, I, I'm just as sad to see both go in the first round. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the truth is, is that this is a team that not long ago, Shelley, yep. had Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden and now have Westbrook and haven't gotten anywhere since they went from three to two to one of those guys. So here's a couple things, right? That, you know, when the story gets told five years from now, we're not going to remember any of these things, right? But we've talked on this podcast the whole year that I don't think Russ is healthy. We know for a fact Paul George has, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses for Westbrook because Westbrook's not making excuses for Westbrook. So, It's not on me to do that. I'm just saying what I've observed this whole season in terms of Westbrook's free throw shooting not being anywhere near it's normally been, right? But even regardless of that, if we even go to just Paul George, we know Paul George's shoulder is messed up. We'll probably end up finding out that he's going to have surgery at some point soon. And he was at playing at an MVP-type level for what? Three quarters of the season? Yep. And then... That dwindles down. The other thing that I think really affected the series was no Nurkic. And the reason why I think that really affected the series that not a lot of people are talking about was because without Nurkic and them playing Cantor, but you're not getting like mega Cantor minutes, right? But you got enough Cantor. Right. He played well. He played well. He did he did play really well. But I think with no Nurkic, now OKC still trying to play Steven Adams. That was a problem, and you really couldn't do that. And they didn't, they didn't pick up on that until like it was way too late. They needed right. to have Jeremy Grant playing at the five because all Dame Lillard and McCullum were doing, they were hunting Steven Adams on pick and rolls and just banging in threes. Now, when you add that to the math of Portland shoots a lot of threes and they shoot them well, and now there's no Nurkic, so they're going to shoot even more. Like His touches are now going to those guys who are shooting threes and OKC shoots threes horribly, all that before you even get to Dame, <laughs> right? Before you get to Dame Dalla, a lot of things were not going well for OKC. And I think the fact that they lost Nurkic, where everybody went to, us included, hey, the Thunder should win this series because yeah. the, uh, Portland's missing one of their best guys. It also meant that one of OKC's best guys was going to be not as valuable to them. They just didn't know it yet. We didn't know it yet, no, and, but we saw it. No, and, and you made a great point in that it took them a couple of games, almost too many, too late, mm-hmm. to figure that out. Yeah. Now that being said, is Eddie Munster going to be coaching the Thunder next season? I honestly think they just go to Russ and ask Russ and PG, "Do you like him?" And that's that. You know what I mean? And like. 
I think that's what it comes down to because you're going to have to go through this whole thing where can anybody tell Russell Westbrook what to do to like slow down to, you know, pick his spots a bit better because here's the thing, right? Someone at some point needs to like, you know, be the, the Zen master to Kobe and Shaq, right? Russ needs some of that because the mama mentality, Hey, we love it. It's a great thing. But without the Zen master, you need somebody to focus all that energy. raw energy. Yeah, definitely. But it, who out there can do that? I don't know. And I don't even know if that really exists in this modern day NBA, right? Because a lot of that, you know, it's a different era. It's a different generation. You got guys complaining about having to practice. So, right? Like, it's just different, right? And so I don't know if that, you know, formula of coaching even works in this era, but it's clear because you mentioned you're having the same issues with Russell Westbrook where he doesn't pick his spots well enough, right? To close out games and to win games. And he got he got more into the personal one-on-one battle with Dame Lillard more so than what was best for the team in winning games. And that that ruined him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we go back and we can start from the very beginning of their their beef and when it started earlier this season where basically Russell Westbrook told Dame that he's been busting his ass for years. And since then, Dame just, like, went to work on Russ, right? Like, he put up, like, oh yeah, it was, like, 30-plus, 30-plus, 50. Like, it was just stupid. And Dame, the whole time, wasn't really talking back to Russ, right? Like, not really. Or let me let me put it this way: not as vocally as Russ was talking yeah. to Dame, yeah. Especially after that, what game did they win? Game three, and Schroeder and Russ were doing the rock the baby. Schroeder was doing the Dame time stuff. Is that where you think they really messed up the series? Like they got a little too happy after winning game three to still be down two to one. No, I think you're right in that they really messed up in that they didn't make the proper adjustments soon enough. Uh, That certainly didn't help mm -hmm. the situation in terms of trying to wake up the, you know, wake up the dragon or wake up the bear when it comes to getting Dame all fired up. It, It didn't really work out that well. But the thing is, is that I don't think that this is necessarily that big of an upset either. No, no, that's fair. I'm, it wasn't an upset in terms of the seeding. I mean, we treat it like like the Thunder were, you know, shocked by this Portland team. But all year they've been really good, and there's nobody, and I know that we use this bit of hyperbole so much, but there's nobody more underrated in the NBA than Damian Lillard. There's not. For sure. And I think people mostly just look at the upset because they thought, and we all thought, hey, no Nurkic, that's one of their best players. OKC should win this series. They have the two best players in the series. Like I'm saying like, that's like the surface level breakdown heading into the series, right? You think Paul George and Russ are the two best players in the series. Then add in the fact that Portland would be missing their third best player advantage. OKC. But once you play the games and we talk about it all the time, the NBA is all about matchups. And I mean, I don't know what is a good matchup against Dame Lillard, but clearly it wasn't Russell Westbrook or anybody on no. the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because let's let's get to this. Because Dame Lillard, have you ever, ever, I mean, ever, Webby, seen a better play? And I'm I'm saying, follow me here, okay? From top to bottom, in the fact that 
add in all the trash talk that was going on leading in, right? Dame then, with the game and series on the line, hits a contested step back from pretty much half court to win the game, to win the series, to finish with a 50-piece, then waves by to the other team and gives us one of the greatest memes <laughs> that look into the camera. It's so good. Of all time. The, I mean, top to bottom, is there a better play than that, Webby? Top to bottom. Yes. All things included. You put this, you put this on Twitter the other day, and I absolutely had the correct answer for you <laughs> in that the Philly special is the better play. Okay, Webby. What if I ask you to be objective here? If you want, <laughs> if you want me to be sports-specific, well, maybe we can talk, but... There's nothing better than fourth and one in the Super Bowl <laughs> against the Patriots. With your backup QB. Running, yeah, catching a touchdown from your tight end. Like, that's the best player of all time. Just again, because we're talking about the Super Bowl. Okay, okay. I mean, this was a first round. Yeah. But in terms of incredible shots, um, I put it up there with the Derek Fisher I don't know, man. Um, this is a walk-off to end the, the series, Webby. And I, the Derek Fisher, the, you could say, maybe is a fluke it, shot. Was the Derek Fisher to end the series no, as well? No, no, no. That no, was just was, to, like, I think it was to win game six to force game seven, maybe. I think that's what it was. Oh, that's an incredible shot. Or maybe shot. to tie the series. But either way, like, the Spurs went from taking a stranglehold to lose to, I mean, forcing another game and eventually losing the series, right? Right. I agree with Paul George in that it's a terrible shot. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. It's a bad shot. You should not be taking that <laughs> shot. You shouldn't be. So you should. It's a step back forty footer. <laughs> you shouldn't be taking that shot at all. You should not. You should not, kids. You should not be taking that shot ever. But again, that's why it makes it so awesome. I mean, so do you not buy into the stats that Tom Haberstroh put out that essentially said that Paul George says that it's a bad shot? But the statistics say that Dame Lillard was a perfect five for five on 30 footers in the series and 20 of 54 or 37% on the season and has been shooting from the logo all year. That's not a 30 footer. (laughs) That's not (laughs) just, it's not a, sure. He's got great. That's not a 30 footer, man. He was. He was at the logo. He stepped back onto the logo. He's from the logo and took a step back. Like, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. I more lean to the side of Paul George being like, that's not a good shot. Like, we're playing the results, right? Because it went in. But even if yeah, you shoot... A th- I'm super happy he took it. Oh. But he should never have taken it. And, like, there's a difference between, you know, the 54 times that you attempted this in the regular season against the Phoenix Suns, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's great. But in terms of a game winner in the playoffs with the stakes that high, I don't know if that's a, the play call that you draw up in out of the timeout. But I'll say this. One of the funniest tweets I saw, though, Webby, was uh, it was of Lillard where he took off for the first basket of the series. And it was basically yeah. from the logo as well. Oh, really? And so it was side by side, like Dame's first shot, like the first basket scored in the series, and then the last basket scored in the series. And the caption just said, grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> <laughs> now, who are they going to play? So they are going we got to a game, game seven. seven. We got a game seven. I think Denver wins at home. 
Um, whoa, hold on. I got to think that back. I got to take that back. I got to take that back because it's pop. And I'm giving pop the respect of saying that I'm going to take Greg Popovich of figuring out what to do and prepare his team for a game seven on the road in comparison to the young bucks, the young bucks for the most part, right? Of the Denver nuggets in the high stakes game seven in the playoffs. When a most of them say maybe Paul Millsap have ever been there. I, I, you don't believe in Jokic part of the doughy or white all-star team. <laughs> I'm more of a Marcus Saul guy these days, Webby. <laughs> no, again, hey, he's—I think he's captain. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Uh, he's gonna get the work. Oh, he's gonna get the work. Uh, one of my favorite parts, though, before we leave the Dame Lillard thing, did you see the video of? Uh, I think I saw it on Complex, but it just focused on Seth Curry during Dame Lillard no. shot. <laughs> If you haven't seen it, anyone listening to this, just Google it or search it on Twitter. But basically, just type in Seth Curry and OKC. And basically, they zoom in the court and all you they zoom it in. So all you see as Lillard dribbles a ball up the floor, Seth Curry just walks into the corner and he's just talking trash to OKC's bench, essentially telling them, you know, Dame's about to win the game, right? You know Dame's about to win the game, right? And so you don't see Dame shoot it. You just see everyone kind of looking at the ball in the air. And then as it goes in, Seth Curry doesn't say anything. He just turns and mean mugs the bench. (laughs) No words. Just stares him down as if, I told you so. And then walks off. Like, the levels of disrespect in that series were at an all-time high. And I was here for all of it. Because everybody wanted the smoke. And I know Westbrook's get it. He's become the goat or the whipping boy. But, and I'm Team Russ, right? Like, I'm saying this knowing people listen to this podcast know that I'm forever Team Russ. I ride or die with Russ. But I love just the energy of, you know, playoff teams that don't like each other, right? Players that want to go at each other, win or lose. That is like, that's the best. No? Like, isn't that incredible? Yeah, and that's why we tune into the playoffs, right? Yes, and that's why, you know, we're just two guys that decided to do a basketball podcast where we can discuss just that moment, man. Like, I was trying to edit, Webby, no word of a lie. I was trying to edit the Raptors pod, like, upload it to YouTube that night, and I just stopped because I wasn't really doing anything on the computer. I was just watching the game, and it was so (laughs) crazy because the swings of that game were so incredible, man. It was such a crazy time, such a great game. Dame Lillard just told Russ to to get out of here in the most epic way ever, and, man, great times. What a time to be an NBA fan, right? Uh, Oh, just what we're spoiled with these second-round matchups. For sure, and... I know that Lou Will did all he could, and Pat Bev continues to play hard, and they're put Harold. Montrez, your man's Montrez. They continue yeah. to do work, and they forced it to a game six against the Golden State Warriors, but I don't feel too bad in assuming Lou Will might get mad at me for this as much as he got mad at Clay and the rest of the, of the Warriors for looking ahead, but, you know, apologies, Lou Will. You're still my guy. You'll always be six man like Lou will to me, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I'm going to look ahead here to the Rockets and Warriors matchup that I feel like the entire NBA fan base is looking forward to. 
And what do you think heading into that series in terms of how that matchup goes? Because last year the Rockets took them to seven. They lost Game Seven because they had one of the mo- one of the worst shooting performances in the history of playoff basketball to lose to the Warriors in Game Seven. So the second time around, who you got, Webby? I- I've got the Rockets. <laughs> okay. Because I-, I really think we're getting to a point with the uh, with the Warriors where. A lot of this extracurricular stuff is starting, it's going to catch up with them. I've never seen anybody look so miserable on a team that uh, is coming off an, uh, a championship, their second straight, yeah. than, Kev, than Kevin Durant. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but there was a comment, I think Bill Simmons did an interview with Adam Silver, and Adam Silver was talking about some data that he got through research about how and why NBA players are so depressed and mm-hmm. why they're all upset, and it's mostly because they spend so much time on the road, and back in the day, like, you would talk to your teammates. Like, think of us as a society, and now we all spend so much time on our phones. But now as an NBA player, you're doing so much traveling, and now you always have your headset on, you're looking at your phone, and it's all through social media. There's no, like, human interaction anymore, and that's why if you're just taking in what's on Twitter – and if you're Kevin Durant, right, you're not going to be that happy. But to right. go back to the extracurriculars you're talking about, this, that 60 Minutes interview they did <laughs> that was floating around. I, it's crazy. They just seem so unhappy. And then now even like, uh, I, again, like I'm sure we can put it up on the Ball on Blast page, but the, what happened today, <laughs> or I'm not sure if it was yesterday at Golden State practice yeah. in terms of, Draymond playing the music and Steve Kerr getting a little annoyed and even saying something to the reporters. Like, this is not how a two-time defending NBA champion should be behaving. Yeah. There's a lot there, man. I mean, Draymond, we know about Draymond and Steve Kerr have been beefing forever. We know, obviously, about Draymond and KD from earlier on in the season. Clay Thompson seemed really upset with the fact that they lost that game last night. Like, his post-game clips, like, he was upset. Right. And I go back to that 60 minutes interview because I feel like there's moments that we we call in slang terms where you're telling on yourself. Do you know what I mean? And I think in that video, when the reporter asked, you know, things have been going really great for you guys during this run. Like, do you ever find it crazy that people even think about? Do you ever think about playing on other teams? Like, how crazy is that even thought process? And the look on KD's face, he just looks down at the ground while Igudala jumps in and answers the question says, oh, I would never leave another team, but if I did, this would have to be the blueprint to get me to leave. And Steph, Steph's laughing, Sean Livingston's laughing, Igudala's laughing. You know who's not laughing? Kevin Durant. Katie and Clay. And, and Clay wasn't laughing either. And it's just so weird. Like, there's just been too many things that, you know, the age-old adage, where there's smoke, there's fire. And... People already think that their KD's got one foot out, and it's not like people already think. Sorry, Draymond told us that they think that he already has one foot out, so it's not media hyperbole, right? But it's just such a weird situation, and it would be a lot easier to leave if they don't win a championship, right? Exactly. Uh, with all that said, I'm still taking the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, me too. I'm taking the Warriors to to win the championship. Hold on, no, I thought you just said you're taking the Rockets in this series. Uh it's more. I think that I hope the Rockets win. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I, I I think it is their time, but man, it's so tough. Like we we have all this hullabaloo around the Warriors, and it's just. I know. It's just so tough to think that they're not going to pull it off. And it's just the switch, right? Like, at the end of the day, once Katie and Steph decide, hey, we're we're here, we're cooking, like, let's go, the Rockets don't have enough firepower. I know how they play, but we saw it last year. When it comes down to the come down, right, I still have yet to see James Harden put in work in a moment, in, in the biggest moments that his teams have ever had, even if you go back to college, I've yet to see James Harden step up for his team and take the reins and win a, a big-time playoff game for his team. I haven't seen it yet. And until I do, I'm forced to take Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Draymond, even if they're beefing. Um, do I want them to win? No, I'm here for the tire fire, right? Like, I want to see yeah. the Warriors I'm go here down. for this. For the, I want this epic breakup to happen. Oh, for sure. But I just don't think that the the Rockets have enough. We've seen Paul, uh, you know, can we trust Chris Paul to stay healthy? I mean, it's probably better that they're getting them in the second round because it's less time for Chris Paul to get hurt, right? <laughs> so that's probably a plus for the Rockets. But am I really here relying on Austin Rivers to put in work? Like, is that is that a thing that I'm going to be prepared to do? Nah, I can't. I can't do it. Um. <laughs> But with that said, I'm going to enjoy every moment of what will probably be a six or seven game series. I'm going to enjoy all the trash so. talking, yeah. the Draymond antics, just as much as I'm enjoying this Pat Beverly, Lou Will antics in Montrez in the first round. Now, right? Refresh my memory. We didn't have Chris Paul for games five, six and seven last year. I know six and seven for sure. There was no Chris Paul. Okay. Six and seven for sure. I'm. Like, 99% sure Chris Paul did not play in 6-7. and seven. And, I mean, hey, the Rockets, if you could go back to having that game six at home with a chance to close them out. Oh, no, sorry. Game, se- game seven would have been at home for the Rockets, right? Yeah, game six yeah, was in games. Golden State. Yeah. I don't know, man. To have that chance again. I just can't buy it. I just can't buy into the Rockets. It's one of those things where I need to see it to believe it before I'm like, yeah, I'm taking the Rockets to beat the Golden State Warriors. Unless your man Steve Kerr shows his, his great coaching skills, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, Yo, they said Bogut's drawing up plays for them, man. <laughs> Come on, man. What, in the playoffs? They said Bogut's been, I mean, I don't know if the story was from the playoffs or the end of the regular season, but they said Bogut's been so refreshed and, you know, he's brought a positive vibe because he got, I don't want to say humbled, but he got a different appreciation for the NBA after being away and beat playing in the Australian league and now coming back yeah. to the NBA. It's given him, he has an extra pep in his step and he's, you know, it's been positive energy around their team, let's say. You know he's a crazy right-wing conspiracy guy, right? Oh, I did not know that. I did not know. Oh that. yeah, yeah. He's like into that PizzaGate stuff, and like he's tweeting through it. Yeah, it's really weird. I had no idea. Um, like your boy, like your boy Nick Bosa on the Forty ers too. Uh, that's a whole other story. I don't. Even, yeah. 
I, yeah. There's a lot there. I, I don't even want to start. <laughs> it's not the NFL on blast podcast. Uh, but I'll ask you this, Webby, just to wrap up our, our second round preview, pseudo preview of the series, which is either Portland versus Denver, or San Antonio. What we're assuming mm-hmm. will be Rockets and Warriors. Again, apologies right. to the Clippers, but hey, Steve Ballmer's rich. He can understand, right? Um, 100% r- running his L.A. team like a business instead of the Lakers who are running it like TMZ. Yo, did you hear the story that came out today? So Magic tweeted oh. out the something to the effect of eventually the truth will come to light. And then later on, right. Rick Buecher went on TV and said that Magic stepped down because he was on. So there's an email chain, right? And basically Genie Bus, Magic, and Palenka. And there'd be some messages or some chains where magic was either CC'd on everything, like all the communication, right. Or blind, blind copied on some of them. Right. And by accident, Jeannie and Palenka forgot what thread they were on. And they were talking shit about magic in an email thread that he then got forwarded and read the emails. And that's why magic stepped down. (laughs) That's what Rick Buecher's reporting. That's what he went on. I want to say he was on Colin Coward today, <laughs> right? But yeah, that's the that's incredible. <laughs> so to further your point about <laughs> the Lakers just being a complete gong show, yeah, Magic Johnson reportedly quit after Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss exchanged emails criticizing him. He reportedly accidentally was cc'd on the emails. And his tweet was, quote, the truth will always come to light. Never reply all, kids. Never reply all. Uh, But yeah, further to your point, shouts to Bomber. Bomber is winning. Bomber is winning. And really turned it around, too. When he first came on as owner, I mean, I know that that franchise was in a tough spot, but it seemed like he didn't quite know how to run it. Mm. But now that... Now it's looking like a really good destination for some free agents. Totally. Totally agree. I was going to ask you, though, Webby, of all those series, if I remove the Raptors and Sixers, because we all know, hey, that's what we're here for, right? What's the yeah. second series that you're looking forward to the most? Is it Rockets-Warriors? Oh, yeah. It's got to be Rockets-Warriors. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I hope you're on it's the same. It's going to be a lot, of late, a lot of late nights. Yo, man, I was just about to say it, man. I feel bad for people in relationships, people, basketball fans in relationships, <laughs> basketball fans with kids because who work and, 9 to 5. Well, I'm saying for my friends alone and I'm single, I do not have kids, but my friends alone, like if you need me for the next 2 weeks, I'm going to be on my couch watching basketball like every single night, right? Like, hey, do you want to go do this? Uh, I don't know if they're going to have the game on, man, <laughs> right? Like that's going to be my answer and I'm totally okay with that. It's the life we live, man. That's it. <laughs> NBA, man. NBA. Uh, well, the other thing that is sweeping the nation or sweeping the world, other than the NBA playoffs, is we all anticipate the second round, but we're also anticipating Game of Thrones. Ooh, going to be a big Thrones episode. So we're two episodes in, and I'll start with this before we get to what's going to happen or what we think is going to happen, how are you enjoying this season so far, Mr. Andrew Webster, two episodes in to this, the final season of Game of Thrones? Complete dud so far. What? 
dud? Complete dud. Why? Ex- Complete explain dud. yourself, please. Man, the first two episodes, first of all, should have been one episode. Wow. Okay? We were told that this season was going to have these super long episodes. I just got two hours of the same shit happening over and over again. <laughs> Here's my other thing that I have a problem with right now in the season. Is that it seems like everything is now happening in a vacuum. Okay. Nobody. The thing that I loved about this show was that this show had such a long memory. Houses remembered what houses did to them centuries ago. Mm-hmm. Theon Greyjoy... Killed half of Winterfell. Yes. And everybody's okay with him now? <laughs> well, he saved, Every- he saved Sansa, man. Sansa. I thought, I thought Tyrion was supposed to be some master, plotter, thinker. He's an idiot now. <laughs> Daenerys might be the worst character on television whoa, now. Whoa. Every time she steps on screen, this show grinds to a halt. Tell me, tell me their plan. Tell me their plan for these White Walkers. Hold on, just to clarify, White Walkers, are you saying that you are opposed every time the Mother of Dragons enters a scene, Webby? Uh, in in this season, every yes. time she appears on your television screen, I'm just saying I smile every time she appears on my television screen. Listen, I'm just saying she's a beautiful, <laughs> she's a beautiful woman, and I, I I'm not going to deny that, but I'm saying the I know, character I know, I'm messing with you. Man. Is just, the character support. Now, again, tell me this plan that they have for when the White Walkers come. They can't give that away. We're going to see what the plan is, man. No, we, we've seen what the plan is. Put Bran and Theon in, <laughs> in, 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 the, in the Weirwoods. And, and then the guy's, like, the guy's like, yeah, we should have the dragons there. And Jon Snow, some military. No, you know what? No, we don't want the dragons. Hold there. on. The one thing. Boy, what do you. The... Oh, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> no, go on. Okay, please, cause, please. Because my other thing is, too, is <laughs> all the women and children going to the crypt. Okay. And we spent, an, we spent 45 minutes last week with everybody telling us how safe the crypt is. Okay. What do you think is going to happen in that crypt? Oh, that shit's getting blown up. Oh, they're all going to die. <laughs> uh, the only way. Hold on, right hold on. Now, Can I stop only... you for one second just because <laughs> um, uh, I always follow, like, as much as I enjoy all the episodes of Game of Thrones – Game of Thrones Twitter is like the best thing ever. But um, you were just talking about feeding all the women and children. T-Pain had like the best quote ever. He's like, for some strange reason, for the entire time that they had the scene where they're feeding everyone the soup, he's like, his tweet was simply, I don't know why, but the only thing I'm focused on is the fact that no one's dipped the bread in the soup yet. It is really bothering me. And I just thought that was amazing. Sorry. I had to stop you for that because it was T-Pain tweeting the most ridiculous shit about Game of Thrones. But please See, continue. But, uh, okay. Again, with Thrones Twitter, like we have to have some kind of critical thinking here, guys. I know this is a super popular show, but this is not the – like you look at this show and, yeah, it's entertaining. And like I was telling a buddy of mine, it's better than 95% of the stuff that's on TV. Super facts. But – but to put to put this show in the Mount Rushmore, to use a tired phrase, of TV shows is crazy. Wow! The show, the show is not as good as The Wire. Okay. The show is not as good as Sopranos. The show is not as good as Mad Men. It's just not. Those shows that sh- those shows were fully developed. They had great and and you know what Game of Thrones did too. But once they caught up to the books. These guys, these writers, they don't know where to go. And not only that, but they've put a hard out on this show. So they have to wrap everything up. 
And it's just not good. It's not satisfying. So I'm going to say this, Mr. Andrew Webster. For anyone who could be listening to this throughout the weekend, we will emphasize the point that we are talking before episode three. And I'm highlighting yes. this. And now, because... Again, again, episode three could be completely insane. But here's the thing. Okay, I was a big fan. Remember that episode when they go up to the north and they fight all those white walkers? Yeah. And they escape with their lives, and then they all rise up from the dead. Yeah. That's one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen in my life. Okay. It was an incredible bottle episode about one battle mm-hmm. and about the hopelessness of what it's like to fight this army of the dead. Yes. It looked like it was so great, so powerful. It was an unbelievable action. Mm-hmm. Everybody points to last season about the Battle of the Bastards. Which was good. Truth, truth it was okay. Okay. It wasn't great. Okay. I'm hoping that this battle, though, and, and listen, I'm not a guy who like, oh, I need the blood and guts for it to be a good story. No, no, no. I like that story shit. But my problem is, like, that story shit is now corny. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, to counter your points, Mr. Andrew Webster, I think I really enjoyed the first two episodes because someone was describing it to me at work as it was kind of like the first day of school. Right. Where you're catching up with all your friends from what happened over summer holidays. Right. And for me, I'm not like the biggest Game of Thrones, like super fan in terms of, you know, I never read the books or anything like that. And I'm the guy who watches a show and I'm like, wait, who's that guy again? Yo, what's that guy's name again? Oh, yeah, that's that guy's brother. Right. Like, I'm that guy. Right. Like, so I'm the opposite. I read the books. I love the books. And I'm like, okay, where where are the phrase? Okay. Where, you know, where are the car starts? Yeah. You know, now now we're just, we, we've gone, we've gotten rid of all of these great, like, minor characters that the show was so incredible mm-hmm. in terms of setting up their background yeah. to now we have, like, eight people. And it's such a big deal and these stars are so big. It's like Gilly comes out in Winterfell where everybody's, like, dirty and ragged and she looks like she just... Step foot out of her trailer getting makeup done. <laughs> so, hold on. My thing is, the reason I enjoyed the first two episodes was, yes, everyone's catching up. You're getting to see who everyone is. But I also think I appreciate the slow build and the setup. Because I feel like same, all same. that we just saw, especially in episode two, anyone who was, like, happy and smiling there, I think they die next episode. Right? Well, I hope they all die. No, but for sure. A lot of people are about to die. But... I feel like all those things were all a setup, right? Like your man's Podrick singing his song, he's out. That oh was his God. goodbye, right? Homegirl getting knighted by Jamie. Okay, cool. She's out. No, no, no. The ultimate worst was your boy Grey Worm <laughs> and the other girl, and they're like, "Listen, hey, when, when this when this all blows over, let's go to the beach, <laughs> yeah. get get a boat, and we're gonna sail around the world together." It was like, "Oh, you're both." There. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's uh, it, right? J- Jamie, Jamie Knight's uh, Brienne, you're dead. Yeah, you're gone. See ya. Um, but also I've read some like weird theory thinking that you can't trust uh, Grey Worm's girl. Like she's up to something, which I kind of found like that'd be the weirdest mm. twist ever. But I feel like we got to be in for some like crazy weird ass twist slash mad motherfuckers dying. But I appreciate it's a slow build because you you got to wrap up characters before they die. So it's like, oh, these people made peace with each other. Okay, cool. You're dead. Oh, you know, 
all Brienne wanted as a kid was to be knighted, and boom, she got that. Okay, you're dead. I feel like yeah. you needed all those things, and let's but be it's honest. it's just so, tele- it's so telegraphed. It's like, yeah, exactly. Brienne got what she wanted. Now she's going to die. But Like, none of this stuff is going to be a surprise to us come Sunday. But are you really mad at my guy, Thormund? Is, what's his name? My guy telling the story Giants about band. the giant milk? Yeah. You're mad at it that? Was that was incredible. No, no, no. He's he's a great character. That scene was incredible, Webby. Him telling the story of why he's so big and it's because he he, he sucked at the teat. <laughs> what did he say? What was it? He like and then he just starts suckled <laughs> he suckled the giant woman. <laughs> Come on, man. That's amazing. And I'm always here for Tyrion's comedy comedy hour. I'm always here for oh, that. What happened to Tyrion? Hey. Did he have a lobotomy? He's got to make a comeback, like he, man. I think he's going to be a closer. He's going to be a closer, man. He's dead. <laughs> I don't he's know. deader than dead. I can't wait, man. I'm I'm in. I thought those last two episodes were so good. I appreciated the slow burn. The only thing I thought that was terrible was that sex scene. Like, come on. That was the yeah, most uncomfortable shit ever. I wasn't one of the people that Googled, um, what's her name's age, but... No. Because I was like, there's well, no way they would put her, like, there was just, uh, I just didn't want to see is, it, period. I, I read the book, and I know how old she's supposed to be, oh. and I was like, oh. I don't think you can really show this on television. Oh. Wow. Yeah, see, even all that's too deep for me, I just didn't want to see that at all anyways. Although, I will give a shout out to Sophie Turner, who continues to be living her best yes, life. which was amazing. <laughs> this was amazing. Her post was incredible, right? I don't know if people don't know what we're referring to. Uh, Sophie Turner was, I guess, bigging up her homegirl, having a, a, a nude seed and is just chugging wine while saying something about Easter Sunday and a hop, hop, hopping on. What did she say? Hop, hop, hopping on the say. Is that what she said? <laughs> <laughs> it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, I just thought apologies if you're listening in the car with your kids, but I feel like kids, you, yeah. you should know by now that, hey, things get, things get a little after dark on the Ball on Blast podcast from time to time, right? Every, every once in a while, yeah. <laughs> but Webby, now, I, I'm here for all I will of this, say, man. Who doesn't die I will say, What do you think's going to happen? Um... God, I hope they all die. I just want the white. <laughs> I want the White Walkers and Cersei to win at this point. I'm so sick of everybody who's in Winterfell. Oh, it's all terrible. They should all be murdered. I'm rooting for Cersei. I'm not mad at Cersei at all. The one thing I will say about this show that I think is really, 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 really dope, and I think like the female characters on this show. I know in this era of the Me Too movement and all that, there's been a lot of shows that have taken the turn to make sure that they have strong female characters. And it's a shame that obviously it's taken till 2019 for this to happen. But I will say on this show, the female characters are so badass on this show. It's super dope, right? Like when, when Sansa and the mother of dragons, when they have their first interaction and that shade that Sansa gives her like that side eye, I was sitting there like, Oh, I was doing the finger snap. Like, I just think the whole thing's dope. The whole thing. Like the fact that they're running it and they're all badasses, like, you know. Do you know what do you know what I mean when I say jump the shark? Yes. Like have you heard that term before? Yes. This show jumped the shark two seasons ago. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. This show, this show had it all and lost it. All I'm going to say is we will revisit this conversation after episode three. After episode three. Which will, I mean, no doubt has to be fuego fire, right? Well, it's being hyped up like that, so we'll <laughs> see what happens. But I will say that it, it, it is way better than, than what Billions has been giving me this year. I'm an episode behind on Billions, so... I cannot comment on that as of yet, but I will say I am still enjoying Billions. And Malkovich's season was just incredible. Absolutely incredible performance. Wasted. Oh, shots fired. Wasted Malkovich. Wasted Malkovich. Shots fired by Mr. Andrew Webster. And you know what? Shots fired, hopefully, on this weekend of Game of Thrones. And we know there will be lots of shots fired between the Raptors and Sixers and the rest of the NBA playoffs as we it. head into the second round. How's that for a long segue? Wow. I like that. No, no, no. It's good. <laughs> but of course, we are here to talk about basketball as always. But if you agree or disagree, don't hesitate to let us know what you think on any place that you find this podcast, whether it's on YouTube, just search Sheldon Alexander or on Blast Podcast. Same thing goes for iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, search On Blast Podcast, get on this feed, you will find the Ball On Blast Podcast, which, you know, each and every week we try to kick up on what's going on with the NBA, and of course, a little pop culture talk as well, which I think will be thrown season for the next couple weeks, but... Yeah, unless something crazy happens. Totally. But as well on... We might have to do some Marvel, we might have to do some... Might have to do an end game thing here in a, in a little while. Okay. I might have to go see that next week. I could get down with that. I could get down with that. Um, but also on the same feed, on the On Blast podcast feed, you will also find the Wrap It Up podcast, which is our Raps post game show, which airs live on Twitter after each and every Toronto Raptors game. And is big things. Hey, we we it's been a big year for the On Blast podcast crew. We've seen the numbers go up like crazy like over and over and over again on both this podcast, the Ball on Blast podcast. Same thing for the Wrap It Up podcast. It's been a really good year for the On Blast podcast network. And that's all in thanks to you, the fans, for sure, for rocking with us and, you know, interacting with us, not only on the podcast, but also on our social media platform. So where can I direct all the Raptors fans, Webby, to... <laughs> To send their comments to you, please. Please hit me up on Twitter and tell me why you think Kawhi Leonard is better than Joel Embiid. And get ready for me to tell you that you're wrong. But hit me up (laughs) at a Webster 84 Oh, I might might hit you up sooner than later, Mr. Andrew Webster. Uh, But of course, my name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Of course, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Holla.